Some of you are like, am I allowed to laugh in church? I don't know. Should I laugh? If you, you, you can go on YouTube. It's Tim Hawkins. There's another whole four minutes of that that you can watch. It's absolutely hilarious. I, I, I wanted to share that because I want to talk a little bit about our series that we're in. Then we're going to jump into some, some things that I felt like God put in my heart yesterday afternoon. But when, what makes that funny is that those artists and their music, even though maybe some of you are resisting, right? It's, it's, it's old. It's outdated. It's out of touch, and it's time for something new, right? If, if, the, if the radio station that you listen to starts with classic, just so you know, that's a euphemism for old, outdated, out of touch, and it's time for something new. The, the, the youth, the millennial generation, they're watching that. They're not laughing, not because they don't think it's funny, but because they have no idea who those people are, Right? <laughs> They're saying who, and we're saying they were awesome, and they go, no, I'm just asking a question. Who are they talking about up there? Because we, we live in a time when we're just used to fads moving in and out of favor. Right? We're, just, we're used to it. We're, we're accustomed to it. And I think as time goes on, the time span that that, that that happens in gets smaller. Are you with me? It used to be things that were, they were held in fashion for longer stretches of time, but as time moves on, that, that's becoming condensed. I mean, who here is addicted to angry birds? Yeah, nobody. But half of this congregation right now is playing Pokemon on their phone and pretending like they're on their Bible app. Right? Because there's things that just that captivate us and, and, and we and, and we just it, it's just it's the it's the rage of the moment. It's the rage of the moment. But those moments they come and go. We were joking about, you know, our kids just got back from youth camp this summer. They had a powerful camp. They go every year with multiple other churches and they have some rules about phones and, and you know, it used to be you couldn't take your phone, but right you know, that's mild torture nowadays. So they that you can take it, but you can only have it in the cabin. You can't have it anywhere else. Well, they get up there, and then all of a sudden they discover the camp is a Pokemon site, and there's something called, is it a Dragonite? Is that what it's called? Which, which are impossible to find, so I'm told, right? And so everybody's outside, leaders, camp directors, I'm law enforcement. No, I'm just making that up, right? But everybody's out there with a phone because nobody cares anymore about the phone rules because something that's happened that's transcended that, right? It's just, we get captivated. Five years from now, people are going to go, pokey, what? Right? Because it's going to be something new and it's going to be something different because something inside of us recognize when things are old, outdated, out of touch, and when it's time for something new. I'm I'm talking about this tonight because this is what our series is about. Because some of you, when you think about God and you think about the Bible, one of the first things that comes to mind is, I think they're old. I think they're outdated and out of touch and it's time for something new. How could something that is that ancient be relevant to my life? And the devil could not be happier for you to come to a conclusion that it's time for something new and that this book has already had its time in history. Let's find the next thing. And if you're not careful, the things that, that drive us socially will become the patterns that direct us spiritually, but nothing could be farther from the truth. 
Listen, listen to this verse in Matthew. It's 24, verse 35. This is Jesus himself. This is towards the end of his life, right? Time is catching up with his ministry. He's eternal, but he had a certain amount of time that the Father had given him. His death was appointed. It was around the age of 33, and he's just weeks away. And he, said, he makes this declarative statement, heaven and earth will disappear, right? It's one of the things that comes in and out It's hard to think of heaven and earth as a fad, but it is. He says, heaven and earth is going to disappear. And he knows people are thinking, that makes me feel a little hopeless. I mean, I can get earth, but when you begin to say that heaven is going to disappear, what's there to live for? And what does he say? My words will never disappear. You see, because Jesus, when he left, he left and he said to us, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And as we study scripture, we know that there is a new heaven and a new earth that's being prepared. And what is that built upon? It's built upon the only thing that is eternal, and that's the Father and his word. See, I think God likes to see people happy. When we were on one of our trips this summer, we went to the kids had never been to SeaWorld. They'd never been to Universal Studios. And we're there. And, and, and as the older I get, the more my motion sickness kicks in. And Vanessa has terrible motion sickness. So our whole day is just spent waiting as the kids are in line, right? And so, but I love it because I love seeing families have fun together. People hugging and kids high-fiving their parents and they're laughing and yet yeah, it's happiness and maybe they're going to you know, be, be angry at each other again at the end of the day. But for that moment, they're happy and I love that. And I think God loves it too and I think God loves to see people smile. I do. But I think that he wants to see that hunger for happiness mature into a hunger for meaning. And the only way that you're going to find meaning in this life is to attach yourself to something that is forever. And the only thing that is forever in this life is our Heavenly Father and His Word. That, that's what this series is about. This, we're calling it Hot Sign your, your Soul. We're trying to use some creative imagery to kind of get your attention. But at the end of the day, it's all about this verse that we keep talking about in Matthew 16. It's verse 27 where Jesus says that you and I, at the end of our life, are going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. And you know what? It's not going to be a part of that conversation are Dragonites. You know what's not going to be a part of that conversation is what was your favorite band. You know what's not going to be a part of that conversation is what was your favorite ride at your favorite amusement park. Not that those things are bad. They're good. God likes us to have fun and to be happy. But at some point, there has to be a search for meaning. And that search for meaning begins in this book and in a relationship with him that's made possible by this table through Jesus Christ. And when you begin that relationship, you begin a journey that David talked about called discipleship. Because what determines how well that conversation is going to go for you and I when we stand before God is how much we look like his son. You and I should be waking up every day with a sense of empowerment for how our lives can move forward with great intentionality to look like Jesus more and more throughout all of our lives. Things like prayer and worship and that F word fasting and the other 12 pathways, right? There's nothing about them that are old, although they've been around from the beginning of time. 
There's nothing about them that's outdated. There's nothing about them that's out of touch. There's never going to be a time in history if Jesus doesn't come back for another 10,000 years where he says, let's do away with those 12 pathways. It's time for something new. They are eternal. And one of those pathways for us is scripture. That's why we have a teaching pulpit here at City Life is that we want you to know your way around this book. It's why even still this week, I'm still excited about the message that Sharon preached last week. Are you, if you were here last week, it was just, it was phenomenal. I know we got off the clock. I wanted to stay off of it, right? We just wanted to say, just keep going. It's so rich. Which opening up Psalm 119 for us, I was more excited about reading my Bible every day this week than I have been in a while. And I hope you were too, right? Because she just made you want to read that book. Something inside of your heart should long for that. Because there's nothing about God's word that's old, outdated, out of touch. It's not time for something new. It's time for something ancient. So Friday afternoon, I was in here, and, and it's been a busy week of catching up with being away. And so as we're reading the Bible through the year, I was in here on my iPad and just reading through that day's uh, uh, allotment to us. And it's kind of, if you're, if you're following us, it's got us in this neat place where it's, it's intermingling the prophets with the books of history. You with me? So you got First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. These these books of the history of the nation of Israel. Well, when you get to to, to Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then you get into the minor prophets. They're not minor because they weren't as important, but their books are smaller. And you get into these books. What the chronological reading plan? We pick a different one every year, but but I guess every three years or so we end up in the chronological plan. It takes those prophets and it interweaves them into the story of the history. It's powerful as you're reading through. And, and so as I was reading this week, I was just, I was inspired by the prophets and their courage. Some, some of these were just farmers and God would speak to them and they would travel to the capital city, which would be like you bursting into the White House with a message for the president. And sometimes you're reading, you go, how did they even get access to the king? And they would go in and they would say things. And sometimes they did not say nice things. Courage. Sometimes God would call a prophet. Right, but this portion of the history of Israel, they're divided into two kingdoms. They're the, they're the same people, but they despised each other. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Sometimes God will call prophets from one kingdom and send them to the other kingdom. Courage. Courage. It would be no different. If we lived in the times of the Civil War and you lived either in the north or the south, but you were a prophet in one or the other and you traveled across enemy lines. To, sometimes I think we read the Bible and we forget that it's real. And the risks that they took and the courage that was demanded of them. These prophets were amazing. Sometimes they prophesied things that were happening and we read that and we think, I can see how people would buy into that. But sometimes they would say things that were just odd. Sometimes they would say things as if they had gotten into a time machine, traveled into the future, written something down, come back. Just, just this week we were reading about how there was a prophet 300 years before it happened. 300 years before it happened. He names the King Josiah. He names the act of bones being dug up and burned on an altar to desecrate it. Three centuries, so specific, it's, it's as if it was in the news. And he was just recording it. 
And then all of a sudden we get to when it's happening and it actually says this was the fulfillment of the prophet in the time of Jeroboam. Such courage. And so I'm in here praying and my heart's inspired by these, by these prophets. And then all of a sudden, just as I'm praying, I'm just reminded of this verse of Scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you know that probably back in the 90s, man, you weren't a Christian if you hadn't memorized this verse, Right? You weren't going to heaven if you didn't know this verse, right? There, was a, there were these movements of prayer that were happening in the 90s, and, and this verse was the foundation of it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, right? There's three things. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Some of you, as soon as I started to say, if my people, right, the rest of it just came because you're so familiar with that verse. Even if you don't know that, verse by heart. It might, it just sounds familiar. It's like a John 3.16 of the Old Testament. And as, and, as, and as that verse just came to mind through the Holy Spirit, I just, I began to pray that verse as I was pacing up and down these aisles and, and praying. And then, and, and then at the end, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Fred, you know why those three promises at the end of that verse were put there, right? No, I felt like he said to me, because those are three of the most basic needs that every human being has. Every human being has a desperate need to have a sense that God is listening. Every human being has a, has a, has a desperate need to feel what it's like to be forgiven. And every human being has a desperate need to see God work supernaturally in their nation of origin and see restoration when there was pain and brokenness. And I don't know about you, but I think our nation is hungry for a healing in our land. So this is what we're going to do with this time that we have remaining. For the first two, I, I want to talk to some individuals that are in here. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. And there's going to be a moment when we get to a point where you can stand and, and, and just people where they are are going to gather around you. We're going to pray and then we're going to move on to the next thing. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. You know, some churches you go, they ask you to do something and the next thing you know, you're, you've done 15 other things, right? We're just going to, if we ask you to do something, it's just going to be that. And if we're going to ask you to do other things, we're going to tell you in advance. So, so there's going to be a moment where we, where we ask you, but I believe there are some people that are here tonight. I believe it could be just today. It could be just today. You said these words. You might have said them. You might have texted somebody. You might have private messaged somebody. But this is what you said. I feel like God's not even listening. And for some of you, you felt like that for a long time. And that is a broken place to be. Because every human being has a desperate need to feel and to have a sense that the creator of the universe hears you and that he's listening to you. It is a powerful thing to feel heard. Powerful! I told him I wouldn't mention his name. David Godwin got a parking ticket the other day. In front of his own house. Woo! I'm probably going to get in trouble with some law enforcement here, but I said, in front of your own house, what, what, where, how would you park, right? What do you have to do to get a parking ticket in front of your own house? He said, I was just parked the, the, facing the wrong way. 
I parked the wrong way. I've been parking the wrong way on that side of the street in my house for over a year. Right? Maybe I shouldn't publicly declare that right now. We're going to get a ticket on my car, right? I mean, sometimes just where you live and how you are, it's just easier to pull up in front of your house instead of backing in, back, right? Do all that stuff. And, and so I said, you got to, I said, even if you can't get out of that ticket, you should go to court and just say, I was in front of my own house. I, I told him, right, which is probably not good advice. I said, you should just start parking right in your yard, right? So the next time they come by, oh, he didn't do that, right? You're like, how does he get a ticket for parking the wrong way in front of his own house? You, you should go. To, why, why was I fired? Because I was like, you, you should just be heard, right? Don't just send that ticket in. You should be heard, even if the judge doesn't do anything for you. Many of you, like myself, you've been in trouble. You know you're guilty, right? but you, there's something inside of you that says, I must be heard, right? I need someone to hear my story. You know what I'm talking about? might be that you've had a job. You have a bad boss. And they do things that are wrong. Maybe you've worked for a company that does things that are inappropriate. And, and, and you've, maybe you've been, you just say, you know what, enough. I know I'm going to be looking for a job tomorrow. And I know that nothing's going to change. But, oh, I need to be heard. And you go in and, and with, 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 with confidence and respect, but forcefully, you lay down your case. And sure enough, you're, you know, looking for a job tomorrow, but you don't care. You know why you don't care? Because you felt hurt. You felt hurt. Tim Kaine, vice presidential candidate on the Democratic side. He's a Richmonder. I don't necessarily always agree with his politics, but I like him because I lived in the inner city of Richmond for 10 years, and he was my mayor. And he, I remember when he was on the city council, and we operated a homeless ministry at that time, and we did the public breakfast and church service for the homeless in our city for about five years. And, and I mean, it was eggs and sausage and potatoes and hot coffee, and they got a bologna sandwich. We used to do a bag lunch to go, but they would just rip the bag. And they, so we just, it was this massive breakfast that we did right in Monroe Park, and we, we preached out there every Sunday morning. We were up at like 4 a.m. cooking. And we did this for, for five years. And we never, never missed a Sunday in five years. No matter how much it snowed. No matter how much it rained. I remember one Sunday morning we got this forecast that a blizzard was coming through. And several of us had four-wheel drive vehicles. And so we would move the, the basic food prep that we could into our homes. At least the coffee and the sandwiches and the fruit. We knew that we could get it there. And so we're, we're going through unplowed streets like you know it's up over the wheel wells and 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 we get there and we're 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 trudging through the snow and and I see these two guys off in the distance come and just laugh and these two homeless guys high-fiving each other I recognized them and 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 I said what, what are you guys laughing about and they said because we we had this bet and I said you guys weren't going to be here and I've never been so excited to lose a bet in my life right <laughs> And so, so we had this great journey of these experiences for these, for these, these five years. And, 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 the, and the homeless, they have street names for each other. And I remember one time, I remember asking them, what, do I have a, a street name? And they said, yeah, because everybody wants a little street cred, right? And, and, and they said, yeah. I said, well, what is it? They said, it's Soul Snatcher. I said, come on, that's good for a pastor. Like my first neck tattoo is just going to be right there. Soul Snatcher, right there. Could trade my Suzuki in for a Harley and some leathers. I'm going to be ready to go, ready to go. But all of a sudden, there was some some ordinances that were coming up before the city council that was going to ha- result in a lot of these 
compassion ministries like ours, they were going to shut down. And so we, we, we organized. We came in force. That the, you, there were standing or only lines out the door and city council. And they had to suspend the time limit that was for citizen input. And, 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 and we actually pushed that legislation away. Right? We, we overcame. Now, even if we had lost, we would have been disappointed. But something inside of us would have felt fulfilled. You know why? Because we would have felt heard. You and I, when we were born into this world, we were born with a deep, deep, deep desire. And that desire was to, is to have a sense that God hears me, that he's, that he's listening, that he's listening. And if you're here tonight and you feel like God doesn't hear your prayer, I want to pray for you. Because I believe there are prophetic moments in our lives. See, we had a great plan for the service. I've been working on that message for two weeks. It's called Relentless on Prayer and Relationship. Come, we're going to do that next week, God willing. But, but I think sometimes God just occupies me, right, and doesn't talk to me about what he wants to do, so I don't have it in my hands long enough to, to drop the ball. You dragon? So some of you here, God knew you were going to be here tonight. He knew. So that feeling of him not listening, it should already be breaking down because he couldn't have heard you more clearly. So I know this takes courage. I get it. I know it takes some courage. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that that sense of, of him not listening is just going to begin to dissolve. And, and from this point forward, you're going to find a sense of confidence that your creator in heaven hears your cry. So if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are. Don't wait for somebody else to stand. I'm just going to invite you to stand up. If you would be so bold, thank you. Yeah, come on. Don't be afraid. I'm just telling you, if, if you want God to move in your life, then you meet him halfway, right? Book of James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Father, I pray. If, you're, if somebody next to you is standing, come on, gather around them. Just gather around them. Put your hand on their shoulder. Father, I pray for these people that are standing right now, even as they're standing, Father, believing that that feeling of not being heard is just beginning to be washed away by a river of confidence that you hear their cry. Father, even if it doesn't seem as though what they're talking to you about is being answered, I pray for that emotional connection with you that they know that they've been heard. Even if you're going to ask them to keep waiting before you say yes, even if you're going to make them wait a little bit longer before you give them the answer to the question that they're struggling with, God, even if you're going to say no to them in the end, God, this desperate need that you created us to have, that you speak to by the promise that you spoke in Second Chronicles, God, that you hear them because they're your precious child. I pray right now, Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of his blood, by the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit in them and in this room, that they would say, I know my God hears my cry. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said, amen. Come on, you can clap for that. Don't be shy. I'll hear from heaven. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive their sin. You ever been dirty? Well. If you've been on a missions trip with Marvin, you've been dirty, right? You get dirty building bridges. They built a school, and you, you get dirty. You, you ever worked in your yard all day, 
Some of you are like, yeah, today, hello. Right? You just, you get dirty sometimes, don't you? I remember, I've shared this story before, when, when, when I was probably in middle school, that we lived out in, in Verina, which is a rural community just outside of Richmond. It was country, and, and we were on a well and a septic system, and, and, and something got backed up in our sewer lines and, and under the house. And so my, my dad and I went under there to fix the problem, and later on that day, we came out, we were dirty, right? My mom said, we were getting ready to come inside, and she said, no, 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 you could just... Take them off right there. I'm like, Mom, we're outside. Right? We live in the country. Don't worry about it, right? So we stripped down right in the yard, and those clothes went into a garbage bag, and then they went to the dump. And then that, that feeling of being in that shower and being clean, it feels good, doesn't it? it I mean, it just feels good. I was talking to Tyler Ashworth about the trip that he just went on with Marvin to build that school. And, and, and I was asking him about, you know, when, at the end of the day, because you just, when you're there in, the, in this third world country, you're just, it's hot and you're doing manual labor, we're, right? We're just used to going in and out of air conditioning. We can change our clothes and get clean and, and you can't do that there. And, and at the end of the day, you're just, you're desperate to feel clean. Now, when we were there, we had it easy because we're building a bridge, right? And so we can just get down in the water, and I could see Tyler, right? His look on my face going, you didn't have it hard. Don't tell me about your trip, your bridge-building trip, right? We were, at a, we were building a school. We had to drive to get to the river at the end of the day. But I know this, that on that drive, they're all thinking the same thing. I can't wait to feel clean. You get down in that water and it, it cools you, it, it, it refreshes you, and, and, and stuff just begins to, to wash away. So many of you have been there. It feels so good. Major surgery, anybody ever had major surgery? Yeah? Sometimes you can't, you can't bathe for a few days, right? Which is not so hard for you, but it is for the rest of us that live with you. Right? <laughs> Vanessa's not here tonight. Many of you know she had emergency gallbladder surgery this week. She's been ter- terribly ill, terribly ill. And, 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 and one of the things that she's, she's getting a lot better, but just the other day she was able to have her first shower. And she said what all of you have said when you've had major surgery before, it felt so good to be clean. I said it felt really good for us too, honey. Not really good for us. She's watching right now through the live feed, and I'm in trouble when I get home. But if you've been dirty on the outside, and you know what it feels like to be clean there, how much more do you think it feels indescribably wonderful to be dirty on the inside and to get clean there? And some of you, I think you're here tonight, and you thought, I'm never going to feel that way again. I think some of you, you here tonight, and I think you had this thought today. If I could just go back in time to be a child again so that I can have a clean conscience. That's, you had that thought. It might be that you spoke those words. It might be that that was your prayer. And what I want you to know is that that's possible. You can find that. It's part of what this table is about. It's part of what I experienced in December of 1990 when I made a vow of devotion to Christ. I lived an ugly, ugly, ugly life. But that feeling that I had the next day when I woke up of being clean, there's nothing in this world that's better. 
Nothing. It might be that you're here and you would say, Fred, I don't really have just one thing that I've done that I feel like is unforgivable. I just have a lot of things over a lot of years. And that when I add it all up, it makes me think that how could God ever love me? Maybe you've run from him for so long. Maybe you've come and left and come and left that your walk with Christ has been more like a revolving door. And you're saying, I don't think he's going to forgive me again. And what I would say to you is, oh, yes, he is. Because it is the core of who he is. He cannot help but to love. Grace flows from him like everything else is ugly flows from us. Just really easy. So I know this is, this is going to take a little bit more courage than the first one. But if you're, if you're here tonight, I kid you not. You can feel clean again, and you can feel clean now. If, if you're here and you would say, Fred, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. I, I, I've, I've wondered if I could ever feel that feeling of forgiveness again. I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are. I, I know it takes courage, but come on. Just don't wait for somebody else. This is just between you and God, as if you're the only person in this room. Come on, if people are standing up around you, you should be on your feet, standing around them. Father, I pray for these people that are standing up right now, and I pray that this Saturday in August is going to be a date that they will never forget. It's the date that they found their way into the waters of grace. It's the day that they found their way into the waters of forgiveness. It's the day that all of a sudden on the inside, they're feeling like what they felt like many times on the outside, that there's a cleansing and a cleaning that is supernatural, that maybe even right now is catching them off guard. There's a, there's a feeling that, yes, something is being washed away inside of me, maybe in parts of their life that are so deep that they, weren't, they didn't even know that they were there. Father, I pray it is as though you're holding them under the water right now, and it is as though they're not even sure they can hold their breath any longer. Father, you're just making them that clean from head to toe. And I pray, Father, that you're going to shut the door on shame in their life tomorrow when they wake up, that when the enemy comes and whoever he sends to remind them about all the things that they've done, that they're just going to begin to declare over themselves that they are forgiven, that they are clean, that they are made new, that they have found your grace, and that nothing can take that away. And Father, I pray that as they continue to make mistakes in their life, I pray, Father, you're going to give them the strength to not keep making the same mistakes. But we know, Father, there's new, new mistakes waiting for all of us. Father, I pray that when those happen, that they're going to walk through those moments now with a restored sense of confidence that you always have forgiveness waiting for them. That you're always standing there with a towel of acceptance at the waters of forgiveness that's free for them for the rest of their life, Jesus, because you paid the price. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen. Amen. It's good, isn't it? Doesn't it feel good to be clean? You guys are reluctant clappers tonight, right? We have rules at City Life that you can laugh and that you can clap. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. We, we have this desperate need to have a sense that 
God is listening. We, we have this, this desperate need to, to feel forgiven. And, and we, have a, we have a desperate, desperate need. We have a desperate need to see God work supernaturally in our land. And our land is here. It's our nation. It's America. It's these United States. And if you are from another country and visiting here, then you have a desperate need to see God heal your land and to restore your land. It's part of, it's part of who we are. It's part of the fabric of our, our humanity. And especially with this last one, it seems as though he makes us wait for a long time. Because the truth is, sometimes he makes generations wait. See, because when he's dealing with the nation, he's just not dealing with you. He's dealing with people in time and history. It's like the, the Israelites, when they went into Egypt, that all of them had a sense of faith that they were going to be the generation that was delivered. And, and depending on how you add it up, whether it's 400 or 600 years later, some of them were asked to pay a great price to build the wealth of that nation that would be the seed money for Israel, a new nation that was about to be born. Some of them were asked to bear the burden for the liberty that would one day come. Whether or not we are of the generation that's going to see God move in supernatural ways to heal our land, I don't know the answer to that question. I do know this, is that there is healing in our land that's going to come. And we may see it in our lifetime, Or it might be that we've been given the burden to pray for it to happen, even if it's for our children or for our children's children and beyond. Tragic news, again, just in the news. It just, it seems like it won't stop, doesn't it? I don't care what side you're more inclined to, one or the other, or maybe it's multiple sides. I I think if there's any ounce of humanity in any of us, it doesn't matter what side you're drawn to, we should recognize tragedy for what it is. If there is loss of life, there are people that are doing things that they're not supposed to do on any of the sides, it's tragic, and it should break our heart. And it should bring us to a place of on our knees because this book, hey, it's not old. It's not out of touch. It's not out of date. And it's not time for something new. This promise is thousands of years old. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And what? I will heal their land. I'll restore their land. Anybody remember DMV when they had turnstiles? Yeah. I've never been Catholic, but I'm thinking to myself, that's probably what purgatory looks like if it's real. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Now at least they give you a chair and a number so you can sit and do other things, right? Until their, your, 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 your number pops up. So they've, they've, they've eased the pain of the waiting. It's like these, these amusement parks like Bush Gardens or that we were at this, 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 this summer, right? They trick you. They are tricky. You go through all of these turnstiles, right? And, and, you, and off in the distance you can see like the fulfillment of a promise. And it looks as though people are at the end of the line. And you're thinking, oh, I'm only going to be here for about maybe another 20 minutes. But then you get there and you realize those are just stairs that lead to another room that have 500 more people in there. 
We were the only ride that that that, that I could ride at at uh, at, at SeaWorld, and and and, uh, and 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 we get we we're in line for over an hour. We get to the end, and they've shut the ride down for lightning. There was almost a riot, and I was in the middle of it. No, right? We would rather die than continue to wait in this line. You know, it's terrible. It comes right out, doesn't it? Oh, you laugh, but you've been there. We don't, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait for anything. Sometimes we don't like to wait for God. And what I'm saying tonight is, as a nation, we're in a place of waiting. And when we're in a place of waiting, it doesn't mean that we're in a place of inaction. It means that we are called to action. And there's lots of things that we can do, which we've talked about recently, and we're going to talk about some more in the weeks and the months to come. But you know, one of the things that we're called to do, we're called to pray. You might say, well, Fred, if he's going to do it anyways, what difference does it make? And my answer to you is, I don't know. I'm dumb like you are. But I'm not so dumb that I can't read and recognize a promise. And if the perfect God who's the creator of this universe says that we should pray, Guess what we should do? Yeah, we should pray. We should pray. So you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to pray. The worship team's going to come back up. We're going to close with a song. I'm going to step right down there. If, if you're physically able to, I'm going to invite you to kneel where you are. You might choose to come down here at the altar. You might choose to kneel here. But you know what? We're going to pray. And whatever song that Chris has planned for us, don't you love Chris? I love Chris House. Yeah. When I pray, I, I, he's got a, uh, 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 I call them CDs, but that's because I'm old, right? I don't even think call them that anymore. But Sing Jesus, and then uh, uh, Bishop Murphy, who's one of his mentors, he's got a new one out called Demonstrate. I listen to those two things when I pray more than anything else. And you know why I, get, I was like, because Chris, he's, he's here, right? We get him every week. We get him every week. And so I don't know what song he's got prepared for us, but I know he's got one prepared for us. And this song, it's going to be our declaration. It's going to be our capstone tonight of this message that I've entitled Desperation. But as they come and get settled, I'm just going to invite you to pray. Kneel where you are. Stand. If you can't kneel, you might choose to come to the front. Father, we are going to posture in this way, Father, for the rest of our lives. Whether or not we get to be a part of seeing history made or not does not matter to us. What matters to us is that your will would be done. Father, because that's what your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, has taught us to do. When, when, when he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we know that you have a will for our land. You have a plan for our land and it's one of peace. It's one of justice for all. It's one of equality, Father. It's one of respect for authority. Father, we say, let it be that the plan that you have for us as a nation, we say, let what you have dreamed and desired and willed on in heaven, it will be done on earth. And Father, that if it's not in our lifetime, give us the courage to bear the burden of prayer without the expectation of seeing it from here. Oh God, we're going to see it. Whether we see it from looking at it or whether we see it from looking down on it, Father, we know that your will will be done. Find us faithful and faith 
filled. Father, in this moment, we could not have a greater confidence that you hear our cry. That I'm not sure that, that, that many of us could, could ever find a moment where we've felt more clean. And I'm not sure for any of us there's ever been a moment where our heart has been so filled with faith that you are going to heal our land. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said with a resounding voice, amen. Let's worship together.